The Georgetown Hoyas are Big East Tournament champions and NCAA bound. Coach Thompson, I know you love it, big fella. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Towel, a Georgetown basketball podcast brought to you by Thompson's Towel. I'm your host, Armin Haratunian, back again with my co-host, Bobby Vogel. Bobby, how are we doing today? I mean, it's that time of the year. It's it's Georgetown basketball Christmas Eve, if you will. Hope is at an all-time high. It can only go down from here. Hey, stop it. Stop it. Um, no, we look up, not down, Bobby. I, I'm honestly very excited about the Dartmouth game. I think everybody... If you've listened to previous episodes, you know we have high expectations and high hopes and for attendance. So. not just the Dartmouth game. We are excited for the season the as a season. whole. Yes, yes. Our first season in over a year. First time getting to watch the Hoyas in person. It's true. It's going to be a great time. But So today we have our very own season preview episode. And in a little bit, you'll be hearing from a very special guest, the one and only... The legend, John Fanta. But just before we get into that, we got a little news to share with you. Big news. Big news. It's important news. This past week, we got a commitment from a three-star, Deontay Bass. And I want you to All know, right. He, apparently, he might rise a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. He, he's pretty impressive. But I, I want you, before we get into that, I want you all to know that before we recorded this podcast, I DM'd Deontay to get the official pronunciation of his name because I've heard there's a little bit of, you know, some misconceptions, some uh, haziness around how you pronounce it. From the man himself, it is Deontay, not Dante, and Bass, not Bass. Bass like the fish, and like the bass, Like the fish. From the mouth of the man himself. So, for all you, it is Deontay Bass. Yeah, we won't have any uh, Chudy Air Bile. Nope. Um, no, we will not. We've got it figured out this time. Shout out, shout out to those, those uh, FS1 broadcasts, Deontay Bass. Deontay Bass. But yes. anyway, you know, he is a really, really great player, really great prospect. I don't know if you've watched any of his highlights. Yeah, some. He looks, he looks pretty awesome. He's kid, super athletic. The kid can play. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is scary athletic. I mean, when, when, he was, uh, when he was on the hilltop for his official visit right before he committed, there was a video that uh, Dante Harris, not Deontay, Dante, oh, that's Dante right. Harris, yeah, like the night or two before, yeah, uh, yeah. He, they were up at like one in the morning in the Thompson Center, and Dante was throwing him alley oops, and it was absurd He's how got good the kid was. But I mean, he is just a pure athlete. He is a physical specimen, which should pair very well with uh, our other recruit from this uh, recruiting cycle, uh, which we spoke about on the last episode. If you haven't listened, go yeah, check Denver it Anglin's, out. He's Denver Anglin. He should be pretty complimentary. And what both of the guys seem to have, I mean, not that we know him personally super well, but they seem to have really good character. Oh, 100%. Um, the way they're posting about Georgetown, which is kind of all we can really work off of right now, they seem super excited to work with the program, kind of get to work. They seem pretty humble, modest. Well, I, d- um, I don't you see the video. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if you saw this video, but um, – there was a video kind of floating around the Hoya Twitterverse of after uh, our friend Deontay had fouled out of a game, he personally went over to the opposing coach and opposing bench and shook their hands. And, you know, it just was a true, was all true show of character. All class. Which, obviously, we like to have players who can play basketball, but we also like to have people who, you know, more than just athletes. We like to have good, genuine people who will contribute to our Georgetown community as a whole, right? We want to make this place a better place, 
and it's guys like that that I mean I can't wait to have. I mean he just got he's got Dante Harris vibes. Like oh, he, he's not out there for show. He's he definitely seems more like a grind kind of do his thing play basketball hey, and that's that. He's, so he's I'm got, I'm pumped. I think this is a great commit. I think you know there are going to be big things ahead and if you know if he can develop his shot a little bit there's no saying how you know how not not just rankings wise but just on yeah. the court and being able to contribute there's no saying how good he could be yeah i think he's a southpaw too apparently he, he is he oh left. boy it's kind of fun a little javon blair reincarnated yeah. so oh my god not but anyway uh without further ado let's get into it bobby yeah all right so today we have a very special guest with us He's a college basketball play-by-play broadcaster for Fox and Fox Sports Network, the on-air personality for the Big East Conference, the host of the widely popular show Big East Shootaround, and now the host for the Field of 68. To be honest, when it comes to all things Big East, especially basketball, some might say he needs no introduction. So ladies and gentlemen, today we have the man, the myth, the legend, John Fanta. John, welcome. Armin, Bobby, I've got my towel ready. Uh, it's great to be with both of you. This is a terrific idea. I love that you guys have revved up this podcast, and uh, I love that we've got some Hoyas on here as well, which is terrific. Uh, and it's it's awesome to be with you guys. And being on podcasts this time of year means we are about to begin the journey, the journey to March. So I cannot wait for next week, counting down the days. Let's get it rolling, gentlemen. Great to be with you. Perfect. Yeah, we're excited. It's that time of the year. So, uh, Bobby, you want to just get into it? Yeah, all right. John, as you know, we're trying to keep transitioning from football season to college basketball season. That November air is kind of changing. So our first question for you was, uh, which team do you think is going to win their respective championship first, the Hoyas winning the NCAAs or the Cleveland Browns winning the Super Bowl? <laughs> What a question to start. Um, I'll tell you what, there was a long time where I would have said anybody else uh, but but the Browns. Um, I think that the Browns are fighting for their season this week at the Bengals. I think that it's a game that they really, really need to try to avenge the home loss to the Steelers. The simple answer is I think that the Cleveland Browns are closer to a Super Bowl right. than Georgetown is to a, to a national championship. Hey, John, just remember, you're talking to a couple of Georgetown students here. We don't like that. I'm well aware. I'm well aware. Hey, hey, there's only one out of 353. There's only one national champion. You are the reigning Big East champion. So if you had asked me Big East, I would have I would have said Georgetown, because if Georgetown could win the Big East tournament last year, when can they win? take that? Yeah, absolutely. And John, we know you got a, you know, a glimpse into the Thompson Athletic Center. And our boys brought some hardware home last March. So we were wondering, have you had a chance to see it in person since March? Was it at the Thompson Athletic Center? It was inside there. That trophy was inside there. I know Patrick Ewing has the net and the basketball from that game in his office, and rightly so. Uh, it was it was really something. I had chills walking in the Thompson Center because you've got Big John's chair inside the practice facility. You've got the basketball, the net from that. Big East Championship game. And even though Big John wasn't there in person, guys, you could feel him inside the garden. You could feel him inside the practice center last week. The Hoyas had Big John on their side. And there was no one like him. 
And I think that that Patrick Ewing showed last year that for those people who have doubted him or thought he couldn't get the job done at Georgetown, he silenced them all. He silenced them all. It takes time. It takes time. And last year was the culmination of the process and working with the guys that you have on your team. If you don't want to be at Georgetown, Patrick Ewing said last March, I don't know. I don't care what you think. The guys that are on the floor are my guys. Dante Harris is his guy, his guy now and going forward. And uh, look, that was such a special moment for this program. And I want you guys to think about this. In the Big East Conference, there are 11 head coaches. Only four of them have won a Big East tournament. Now Patrick Ewing is the fourth, joining Kevin Willard, Ed Cooley, and Jay Wright. Yeah, it's pretty special. And correct me if I'm wrong, he's also the first to do it as both a player and a coach. Right, that's saying something. Of course. Of course. Yeah, it was and you know, I think I think a lot of people think, oh, he got the job because he was a player. You know, look, Patrick Ewing can coach and he coaches butt off. He's more than just a player. You don't spend fifteen years on an NBA bench and then not be a good coach. He knows how to coach and he showed it last March. He had teams that he had a team that was less talented than the big East teams they were going up against, and it didn't matter. Because guys like Chudier Belay, um, at the time, Kudus Wahab, and now they're hoping Tim Ecoefe uh, is that type of guy here this season. Donald Carey, you know, Jamarco Pickett. Now look at what Jamarco Pickett's doing. He's getting oh, a yeah. shot in the NBA. What does that tell you? If you, stay around, if you stay around Georgetown, you play for Coach Pat, you might learn a thing or two about what it takes to get to the NBA. And Jamarco's now having some success. Yeah, and you know, sometimes I feel like we forget what – Patrick Ewing really brings to this program, right? Not only was he on an NBA bench for, what was it, almost a decade and a half, 15 years, but also being a player and a pretty good player at that, I mean, the number of connections that he was able to develop at that next level is almost invaluable to some of these players. And, you know, we come back to this sometimes. It's who you know as much as what you know. And I think it's pretty clear that he knows a lot about the game and also a lot of people at the next level. So it's going to be really interesting to see what he can do going forward. 100%. Yeah, John, in, every way, in every way, that's the case. All right, John, you mentioned as well some of uh, Patrick Ewing's guys and perhaps one of the best Cinderella stories of last year within Georgetown, its own Cinderella story, was Dante Harris. At the beginning of the season, some may have said he was the third-string point guard. Uh, if Tyler Beard had come and if Jalen Harris had stayed on the team, he rose from that three-star status to Big East Most Outstanding Player. I know you mentioned in August you think he's not being talked about enough. What, what do you think is with that? Like, why, why aren't people mentioning the Most Outstanding Player in his sophomore jump? Yeah, because they look at a stats sheet and they don't look at what happened in the Big East Tournament. And what happened in the Big East Tournament was that kid had cojones, and he made big-time play after big-time play for the Big East champion, Georgetown Hoyas. Dante Harris against Villanova in the Big East Tournament, 18 points, five assists. Not a single turnover? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That was a big-time performance, and he has to be the guy, and he knows he has to be the guy. And Patrick Ewing has told him in practice, I don't care what you did last year, you got to elevate this year. You have to be even better this year. Last year's last year. You have to be even better this year. They have a point guard. You know, there's a lot of unknowns on this Hoyas team, but they have Dante Harris, and that kid's not afraid, guys. He plays fearlessly. Oh, yeah. Half the battle in college hoops is playing fearlessly. Dante Harris embodies that. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that maturity that he showed was just 
so impressive just because, you know, coming into the season, he was not really expected to play. Then all of a sudden he gets tossed into the fire during that Villanova game, and no one expected anything big out of him. And then every game after that that he played, it seemed like he matured, and he just developed into this player that ultimately he became, you know, the biggest tournament most outstanding player. So it's going to be interesting to see how he takes what he had last year and really builds upon that because, I mean, in the end, if he's able to build on what he had last year. Yeah, I am too. I think it's a it's a key storyline to Georgetown because he can't just stay the same. Now the book's out on him a little bit. You're not the third best guard or thought to be the third best guard on a scouting report. You know, you're you're in a situation where the attention's going to be on you. The attention's going to be on you, and you have to be able to deliver. So for Dante Harris, it's handling the defensive pressure. It's being at the top of an opposing team scouting report. I think it'll take some time for him to adjust, but I do think he's got the work ethic. He has a toughness in games that really reflects his head coach. It's true. It's true, John. And we know that Dante has backup coming this year. He's got Aminu Muhammad, Jordan Riley, Ryan Matumbo, Jalen Bill. We got quite the class coming in. So one thing Georgetown fans, I think, have struggled with at the moment is what should the expectations be this year for the team? We're coming off the Big East Tournament Championship. We've got a very young roster this year. What do you, how do you think Georgetown fans should try to process this season as it unfolds? Yeah, I think as tough as it is, guys, because you want to build off the Big East tournament with the amount that this roster loses and the amount of newcomers now in the fold, it's hard to have a high expectation level this season for this Georgetown team with how young they are. Youth does not win often in college basketball unless it's getting assisted by experience. And this Georgetown team is especially, especially youthful. So what I look at with this Hoyas team is Amino Muhammad's going to be an immediate impact player. There's, there's no question about it. Like, Amino Muhammad is ready to be that guy for this team. I expect him to be. I'm really impressed with him. Um, you know, I, I think that he's the right kind of person for this program. It's hard to know what Tyler Beer, what Jordan Riley are going to give this team right away, even Ryan Matumbo. I think Donald Carey's going to be asked to increase his role. I expect Caden Rice to be a good player. You know, Caden Rice in four years of college basketball has taken almost 800 three-pointers. So Georgetown fans, look, they might dislike him when he's missing, but I think he's going to have a game where he hits five or six threes and he could be the reason why the Hoyas win. I just think there's too many new faces. There's too many questions at the start of the season for you to sit here and say, this is going to be a team that finishes in the top six of the Big East. The key for me is... This is how a Georgetown fans should look at this. Is Mohammed the real deal? Does he stay around for a second year? Beard and Riley, do they make progress as the year goes on? Does Ryan Matumbo with Patrick Ewing's coaching? We've seen Ewing develop bigs. Does Matumbo embrace all that? Do these guys stick around? Yep. You gotta have roster continuity. You can't have transfer season. You gotta figure out a way to keep these guys. If these guys stick around. 2021-22, excuse me, 2022-23 for the Georgetown Hoyas is the year that they could be picked in the top five of the Big East and really be a factor during the regular season, which this program has not had now in years. 
the, the, the fan base is waiting for this. I know the fan base is going to get frustrated this year at times. Remember, this team is a young team. And you guys show what you could do last March with a Big East championship. you got to remember that moment and understand that. Keep these guys in place. And next year could be the year for Georgetown to really, really turn that corner. Yeah, and if the team really does want to turn that corner, I think a big question mark and a big point of emphasis is the play of the centers. Because right now we have two players who we don't really know what they're going to be able to contribute to this team, starting with Timothy Egoefe, who's going to be asked to you know, take an increased role this year after his past two years being a backup and a third-string center. So I don't really know how much Patrick Ewan can depend on him. And then also, of course, there's Ryan Matumbo, who we know is very talented. But talent can only take you so far when you're a freshman. We know that freshmen have a tough time contributing their first year. So, you know, I'd really be interested to hear what you think. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a really good point, Armin. And I think it's a key question mark because Ego Fe hasn't proven to us that he can be relied upon for 10 and 7 on a game-by-game basis. And Matumbo's a freshman who I think needs to work on his defensive skill set. Patrick Green even told me he's not where he needs to be defensively. For me, though, guys, it's a guards game. It's a guards game. College basketball, you got to have a Blair. you got to have a picket getting your buckets. So for this Hoyas team, who is catching and shooting and making shots? you got to be able to connect there. You know, are Beard and Riley coming in and contributing to this team immediately? Is Amino Muhammad really a five-star talent? If he is, then Georgetown could be an intriguing team this year because if you have that type of a talent on your team, you're always going to have a chance. Can they kind of hit the gold mine? with this recruiting class a little bit. The the center position, you're right. It's it's a big downgrade from Mohab. But then I think you got to play differently, right? Like, you have to play off your point guard. If you have a point guard that you know is tough and is going to help other people be better, set up Rice. Set up Donald Carey. Set up these freshmen to be successful. For me, Georgetown's season is not necessarily dependent on the center position because it is a downgrade from Mohab. It's dependent on are these fresh are these freshman wings, and then the combination of the transfer from the Citadel Rice, uh, and then the captain Donald Carey are they making shots and are they scoring consistently? Because Georgetown lost guys that were making big time plays, big time buckets last March in Pickett, in Blair, in Belay, and others. That's awesome. And, John, you're right. It'll just be a kind of wait-and-see moment, I guess. Yeah. So we know we're all chopping at the bit um, and ready ready for that. And everybody, every, all the fans out there, um, please go listen to John's uh, show, The Field of 68. It's going to be nightly, right, John? Kind of on a rotating basis sort of thing? Yeah, it'll be nightly. Cannot wait. Uh, it won't be – I won't be on every night, but The Field of 68 yep. After Dark will be nightly. I'll be on Tuesday, November 9th. Um, we'll be on from – Probably around 11.30 to midnight uh, slash 12. No, 11.30 to 12.30 or 1 a.m. After the Champions Classic concludes with Duke and Kentucky. The first game is Kansas and Michigan State. I'll be at the Garden. Uh, We'll have that post-game show. And then I'll actually be on Saturday, November 13th for the first week of the season. Georgetown will play that day. I'll give my thoughts on Georgetown on the After Dark show. I would encourage everybody to watch. It's on Twitter, at John underscore fans. And to all the Hoya fans... I will be at Georgetown's opener against Dartmouth. Um, oh, awesome. That's, honest, that's I'm huge. Not, I'm not calling the game, um, yeah. but I'm actually going to be in town for the Big East Men's Soccer Championship because I'm, I'm doing play-by-play for that game for Fox Sports on Sunday the 14th. 
So I will be in the building Saturday the 13th. Feel free to say hello. Awesome. That's great news. And leads us very well into our last question, John, which is when you're at the Hilltop in D.C., do you have any favorite places to go? Get a bite of eat or any bars? Yeah, the tombs. I love the tombs right near Georgetown. Great food. Love their chips. Those truffle chips are amazing. Oh, awesome. Uh, I love Clyde's. You can never get a bad meal at Clyde's. Um, I go over to Carmine's by Capital One Arena because I'm a stickler for pasta. There's also a good oh, pizza cool. spot. It's like slice, It's like pie something. It's pretty good. Yep, pretty good. So as you guys can tell, I've had many a good meal uh, down at Georgetown. That's what- And we'll look forward to having many more. Absolutely. And I look forward to listening to this podcast. The Towel is the new place to go for Hoya fans. All right. Thank you so much. Look forward to it, John. Man, that was great. To get the man, the myth, the legend, John Fanta, really a true rising star in the world of college basketball in here was amazing. Yeah, he's a, he's a rising star. And at this point, he seems pretty risen. Uh, the guy really knows his stuff. You know, he's a nice guy. And I mean, he took the time out of his day to come on our podcast. So that means a lot to us and hopefully to all the fans as well. So we'd like to, of course, yeah, thank John Fanta. Of course. But so let's just get right into the next uh, section here. So I put this together. We'll call it Armin's Over-Unders, brought to you by the Master Handicappers at Bet the Blue and Gray. So I got a couple of uh, over-under stats for the season Yep, that I'd love to hear your thoughts on, Bobby. Perfect. So we'll just get right into it with a – I'll call it a layup, okay? Pretty easy. So I, I got the first one here at 7.5 non-conference wins. Yeah, it's not much of a layup. Um <laughs> It, all right, seven and a half. I do think is the place to have it. I will slightly lean over to the eight, and here's why. That means three losses in non-conference yes. play, right? Yes. You have to imagine San Diego State is likely a loss. They're very good. Now, the thing about San Diego State losing would mean that you're playing St. Joe's. Yes. So you're actually picking up a win in a weird way. You're going one and one there. Out of the remaining three. Syracuse, t- like three kind of difficult games? Yeah. Uh, one, well, let's just say, you know, if you haven't already, give Bobby's uh, little article a read, you know, going over the non-conference schedule. but might be kind of helpful. I just kind of tiered each of the things. And what, what you kind of realize if you look at the Georgetown scheduling is that there's a Shouldwood Handily tier, there's kind of a toss-up tier, and then there's San Diego State and USC if they play them. So I to kind of, re- like get, kind of get back on track here, I think we lose to San Diego State, beat St. Joe's. That's one loss. Right. Yes. You then have TCU, Syracuse, and South Carolina. I think there's a good chance you lose two of those three. And if not, I think if you win two of those three and only lose one, I think there's still a good chance you lose one out of those "quote unquote" cupcakes. So I'm gonna go with eight as my kind of prediction. See, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. I just think that the TCU and the uh, South Carolina games, those are toss-ups. I, I expect us. To go one in one, just because okay. we're away against uh, against South Carolina. There. Okay, so you're going one and one there. And uh, I agree with you that we're going to lose to uh, what is it, uh, San Diego State. Yep. And then Syracuse is always it's just a toss up. To be safe, I would say we'll give ourselves a very close loss, as painful as it is to say. So I, I agree with you with the eight number, but seven wins is not completely out of the question. And I don't Absolutely think absolutely not. I don't yeah. think that's necessarily a bad thing if we come out of the. Uh, the non-conference schedule. Oh, of course not. Seven wins. No, I, th- I think seven wins would be a very even if you lose one of those one of those ducks, 
the beginning, yeah, kind of right. lay an egg. I think that's fine. We have so many of those mid-tier yeah. cupcake games, and there's none. Maybe Howard's the only one that's like really kind of well, rough. Yeah. But all those other ones, like Helios, whatever. So, all right. Okay. Cool. Well, we'll move on to the next. We one. both agree on the eight eight yes. wins for the non-conference schedule. So, my next over under is four game. Uh, sorry, four and a half games for Timothy Ego Fa to foul out of four and a half. So, let, wow. Let, let me give you my stats that I pulled together. Yeah. How many? Do you know how many he had last? So, so last year, he averaged around nine minutes a game. Right. Yeah. A couple of those games, he went over that. Got around 17 at the most, but it, it usually stayed around that 9, 10, 11-minute mark. Totally. Um, in those games, he had one game where he fouled out and three games where he had four personal fouls. In those games, also, he averaged about 1.1 personal foul for every six minutes of 1. game 1. time. 1.1 per six minutes. If we were to go even deeper, for every 40 minutes he played... He averaged about 7.7 fouls. 7.7. So now, as we move into the season where he has a little more of a serious role, where he's going to be getting a lot of time, or a lot, a decent amount of time. Oh, yeah, more than a little bit more of a serious role. He's going to have so a very serious role. The, the, the fouling is going to be a big question mark, right? So what do we think? Oh, man. I mean, I will easily take the over here. Um, I do think you. It all depends on Ryan Matumbo a little bit. Yes. Kind of how many minutes he we'll, eats we'll, up. We'll get into that. We're gonna later. get there. Okay. We'll okay. Well, later. Without kind of getting into that too hard, I will say that you're playing in the Big East, and we know how much parity there always is in the Big East. And they're always and what that means is you're fouling in those late minute so situations, also, those late game situations. We always know that the Big East games are very tight and very you know physical. Yeah. Right. So. I don't know. You're taking over. I think the over. he's gonna get over just just by fouling out in like yeah, the last yeah, two yeah. minutes when you're trying to you exactly, know get exactly. the ball back sort of deal. Yeah, he'll, so he'll definitely I, foul out more than four I'm and a half going times. to take the under there. Really? Just because I'm a little optimistic, but also with the playing time argument, I think Patrick Ewing is going to be prone to sit him if he gets into that territory. But I I think that it'll get very close. I think he will get to four. Okay. At the most, but I think. It's not the question for him to get over four and a half. Yeah, you know what? You're right, too, because Ewing does seem to kind of like playing Malcolm Wilson a little bit. A little you never bit, know right? what happens. He doesn't it's kind of a like wild Malcolm. card we have going into the season, how much Malcolm Wilson's yeah. going to play. All right. That's Next. a good question, by the way. That's a good question. Thank you. Next over-under here, Dante Harris to average a steal and a half per game. All right. And let, let me give you my stats Let's hear for him. Dante Harris last year. He averaged 1.15 steals per game. But that might be a little misleading because for the first six games of the season, he only averaged 11.6 minutes a game and only had one steal over those games. Uh, But for the last 20 games of the season, again, after that Villanova game where he really got thrown to the fire, he averaged 36.6 minutes a game and had 1.45 steals a game. Mm -hmm. So also, also, he had down the stretch – I mean, his defense really developed where he had multiple games with over two steals. You know, two against Posh Alexander and St. John's, one against R.J. Cole, one against Marcus Zagorowski. You know, he had two yeah, two steals impressive. against the McKinley right in the NCAA tournament and then one steal against Marquette. So these aren't bad games. No, so, no, you know, no. he really developed. So what do we think? You over, know, under, one and a half. This might be a little surprising. I am going to take the under here. Interesting. Um Part of the reason I think that Dante Harris was stealing the ball so much last year was because you had Jamarco Pickett and Chudi Abile outside. Um, 
They had a lot of length there, and Kudus yes. Wahab. Yes, of course. It was very difficult to pass interior. It was very difficult to kind of pass around the horn. Um, what that meant is that opposing teams often would drive against Dante Harris, and that's when Dante Harris got many of his steals. So I think you will see that a little bit less this year because it should be a little bit easier to pass with us, uh, pass on us, unfortunately. Um, that being said, it wouldn't shock me if he broke 1.5. Well, what do you, what do so you think? So I, I think he's going to go over that. You think he'll go over? Of yeah. course, like, he's not going to get as much playing time. He's not going to average 35 minutes a game like he did. But I, I do think not. that defense is going to be one of those ways that he's going to find a way to step up, right, and improve his game. And obviously he turned into a very solid defender at the end of the year. And if he's able to build on that, I could see him getting really close to two steals a game. I don't think he will get two steals a game. I don't think he'll break that threshold. But I think yeah, 1.5 optimistically is in his sights. And I, I do think he can do it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely in his wheelhouse. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. a little bit there. All right, well, uh, no, another one I got. Uh, so Caden Rice to shoot 37.5 from deep. Percent? 35 point, uh, 37.5% from deep, yes. See, you're so, uh, proposing that he shoots better. better. So last year, he shot just around 35%, and he made 92 shots, right? Er, and uh, on, I mean, it was an absurd amount of shots uh, yeah. that he took, what, over 200, um, which is up there, I mean, with... Uh, the most the 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 highest volume shooters in the country. Yeah, because he made the third most threes, right? Yes, exactly. But so, motivation. obviously, coming to I'm not going to say the Citadel isn't a real basketball school, but it's not really. It's not. It's no Georgetown. It's a mid major, yeah, or if you want to call it. We cannot expect Patrick Ewing to let him just go out and ch- chuck up every everything he can take. Right, like down at the Citadel, he was given free reign over the court, which allowed him to take that many shots. So this year we might be able to see him be a little more selective, which is why I think he might increase his percentage a little bit. Yeah, you know what, Armin? I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that's one half of it. Um, you're right that he may be more selective coming to a higher-quality program. On the other hand, Armin, we're losing so many points per game. Yes, of course. So... I think John Fanta, you heard it in the podcast that Georgetown fans might love him when he's making threes. I don't know. I can't imagine he's going to have a higher three-point percentage than last year. I, I tend to think he's going to have a higher volume, maybe. Or, and so, not, not just that. Here's the thing. You also can't forget he's playing against higher-quality higher, like higher quality competition. Yes. The, the defense is going to be better. I'm going to take the under on that as well. I still think he's highly productive. I still think he hits close to what he hit last year. But Do, we, we So... My alternate line on this, my second line okay. that I made was um, 72 and a half three points, three pointers made total. Total where he shot, he had 92 last year, yeah. which again was right. very high. Yep. So it's a it's a question of whether I think you get the over on that. It's it's a question of whether or not he's given the uh, opportunity to take that many shots like he did last year. Yeah, no, it really is, and I think part of what that's going to come down to is where we find scoring. If it turns out Dante's kind of uh, became become more solid from the three-point line, uh, maybe, I don't know, Jordan Riley ends up being a beast, Aminu can shoot the ball well. You find scoring elsewhere, you won't need to lean on him. If you can't find it elsewhere, I mean, you're going to see Caden Rice chucking up a million yeah. days a game. Okay, that's kind of fair. On a wing and a prayer. That's fair. I, uh, 
I'm with That's you. a tough one. I'm curious. That'll I'm, be a that stat alone is one we should come back to. We will. And that will be very telling on how good of a season Georgetown basketball yes. and, is. At. And I do think I'm gonna take the under with you there, but I think again it's gonna be pretty close and I think he will improve on last year. Okay. Shooting wise, but we'll see. Well I I think you're right. We will have to come back to that one. Yeah, that's an interesting one. See what happens. I like that one. Um okay, I got two more for us. Sweet. Ryan Matumbo, eighteen and a half minutes a game. And I, I and let me explain half. it. Yeah. So in Kudus Wahab's freshman year, where he was playing behind Omer Yurt Seven, he played approximately fifteen minutes a game. This mm-hmm. year, since I mean, obviously we can say Omer is pretty much better than Tim he is in every way. He's making millions of dollars on the Miami Heat right now. Yes, he yeah. is. You have a good point. Obviously Omer could eat up a lot more time. So there wasn't as much of a role for Kudus to have at that point. It's true. So this year, obviously, as, again, as we heard with our great friend John Fanta right before this, we don't really know what we can expect from Ryan on the defensive end. And with Malcolm Wilson being what we can consider to be a pretty plus defender, it's going to be a question of how comfortable is Patrick Ewing putting him out there and what kind of role is he going to play. So what do we think? 18 and a half minutes a game for Ryan Matumbo. Man, this one's tough. 18 and a half minutes a game. I have to imagine that my gut says that Ewing is going to use Ego FA more than some fans would like. I think Tim yes. may be very productive this year. We had heard very good things coming out of the scrimmage um, down. Yeah, in, right. I, it sounded like he had a great day in Virginia. Yeah, or Temple. Was, was it, it Virginia? I don't remember. But he he had a great day yeah. in one of those games. Yes. Um, I think he hits the over, and I actually think he hits it pretty, okay. pretty so severely. I... You um, heard Ewing say that Matumbo may not be ready offensively. Or was yeah. it de- defensively? He's well, not ready defensively. But uh, you know what? It's all a matter of how much they trust Malcolm Wilson. Yeah, that's that is probably where you where you because find it because yeah. again, I don't think Patrick Ewing's really going to be in love with the idea of playing small ball, right? It's we haven't really seen it yet. No, so I I think he's gonna. I mean, he kind of played around with it last year. Right, very small sample size, but I really don't see him going to it this year. So we have 40 minutes to fill between three centers, and I don't. I mean, he very well might play Tim over 20 minutes a game. I don't know if he will. Jumping from nine minutes last year to over 20 is a big jump for a guy like him who yep. is unproven at this level. So it, it's just a matter of how much time will Malcolm eat up and. If he doesn't have as big of a role as he could, you know, he doesn't play six, seven minutes a game, then the rest is there for Ryan. I mean, it's pretty reasonable, I think, to go 20 minutes for Tim. I honestly believe he'll he'll hit the 20 mark. And then all you need is Malcolm to hit three. Yeah, and then then, number. Yeah, yeah. Ryan's under. Yeah, I think Ryan hits under that. Maybe he hits under at the beginning of the season over the second half of the season on average. Oh, well, I think it could be the other way around. I think that – play less? I, well, I, I think that uh, oh, the against the lesser play. opponents, yeah. you know, Patrick Ewing's going to be a lot more prone to just kind of toss him out there and see what All he right, can do. fair enough. And yeah, see if he can sure. develop. So, I mean, I might that over-under be a little high? Could it be closer to, you know, 16, that range totally? But I think there are a lot of minutes for – Ryan to have or to gain, and it's just a matter of how well he plays defensively, how much trust he gains from Patrick Ewing, and if he does gain totally. that trust early in the season, there's no reason why he shouldn't hit that 18 and a half minute mark. Yeah, no, not at all. 
Not at all. All right, so my final, final over-under, which I have for you, which will now go more towards the team side of it. Beautiful. Is over-under two-and-a-half Hoyas on postseason award teams, right? So whether that's you know the all-freshman team, the Big East first team, second team, Honorable mentions. Honorable mention included. Honorable mention included. Uh, defensive. Do they do defensive team? I don't know if they do defensive no. team. But uh, I mean, I don't think so. Maybe. I don't think so. Maybe we'll see. But <laughs> all right, we'll go but, up my gut here. Yeah. So so two and a half Hoyas. Okay. I think Aminu is a lock. Are we counting Aminu as one award? One award. One award. Even if he gets I'm saying, freshman of the I'm year and. Teams. Players teams. on a team. On a team. Okay. Well, Aminu, I think, is a lock. He should be, hopefully, I pray to God, he gets the um, award for freshman, freshman of, the of the year. If not, he'll be on the freshman team. Yes. I do think Dante cracks. See, what's tough is you're playing against all the other point guards. But yeah. I do think Dante cracks second team or honorable mention oh, just because they like to give a player to each team. Yeah. Um, I have to imagine Dante definitely cracks that. Okay. Now, I think where that two and a half becomes a three is another player on the freshman team. Exactly. So so that's when I was making these lines, I was thinking to myself, okay, it's all a matter of the freshman teams because yeah. I don't think this team has anybody unless someone like a Caden Rice or uh, like even one of the freshmen from last year. Now the yeah, sophomores. Rice has a chance. You comes know what? People nowhere. sleep on Tim. Like me, yeah, but if Tim has a big jump, he could make a team. But, uh, I mean, what I'm saying is – the most likely spot for one of these to come from is from another freshman. It's true. So whether that's a Jordan Riley or a Ryan Matumbo, if he gets some playing time, you know, it, it's we we could definitely see that third one. But what do you think? Is it going to be three? Yeah, I'm I'm going to err on three. I think out of Jordan Riley, Jalen Billingsley, Ryan Matumbo, Tyler Beard alone. Yeah. One of them. One of them. I think we saw three with Blanc, Akinjo, and McClung. I, I think that's fair. I think two of them were guards. Yes. If if they get reasonable if they get playing that. time, if they get playing time, there's no reason why there should not be two freshmen on that. Yeah, definitely. All biggest team. But again, it's it's all dependent on how Patrick Ewing feels about them, whether or not he feels comfortable putting him on them on the floor. So again, I'll, I'll take the over with you. I think that perfect. You know, if if I were a true bookmaker, I'd probably put that at you know. Uh, I'd probably uh, put it at three. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe maybe a two and a half at minus two hundred. Yeah, something like that. Make it favored it a little bit, but it's gonna be it's gonna be close. I think, but we could definitely see three. Yeah, we can see three. So with that over, let's just kind of get into what we expect overall out of the team, and what I mean, Bobby. What do you think a successful season for the Hoyas would look like? I know. I know. We yeah. talked to John we about this. We did talk before. to John a little about a little bit about it. I think the unfortunate reality is that the biggest thing is roster continuity. Um, keeping everybody would be ideal. Um, I also think, man, it's tough to say, but Aminu is huge. Yes. If Aminu has a good year, it's going to be very hard to say Georgetown basketball had a bad year. If you have a five star who's performing at a five star caliber level. Um, if he falters a little bit, that could get scary. So I, I, I honestly believe those are the two biggest things, keeping people and specifically Aminu doing well. Uh, I, don't, okay. I don't know. Kind of flip back to you. What do so you think? since we're kind of in the over-under betting mood, I, I think if Patrick Ewing is able to keep it under one-and-a-half transfers, and or at least one-and-a-half departures, and um, I guess an, another thing that I would kind of take away as a positive is, 
is if we're able to squeak away at least one non-conference game against one of those better teams to kind of show you us. You need one. Yeah. You I, need I, one of those four at a minimum. And then just being able to compete in games and scratch out a few decent games in the Big East. Yeah, I think, totally. I mean, this team, hate to say it, is not going to be, you know, they're not going to. You never know. You never, you never know. know but they, they, the chances of them doing what they did last year are so low that if they really, uh, if, if they're just able to compete, also, maybe win a game in the Big East tournament, but unlikely. That I, I'd see yeah, all of that as just... I think it's the kind of thing we're going to have to watch their non-conference play and then yes, make an evaluation that's, that's of what fair. we need to expect. That's um, very fair. And you know what? It, it's all... In the end, it's all uh, just seeing this team grow is the best way I can put it. Because, again, we're very young. Fair. We have a lot of newcomers. I hate to say it, but... The best way to see this as a success is if we see development throughout the season, being able to hold on to the players that we have, and just showing that this team has grit and in the future will be able to compete at a high level. Yeah, I think it's a great way to put it. All right, so so Bobby, give me a number. Total wins, what do we think the record's going to look like? All right, so if you gander over at Ken Palm, uh, they have the the Hoyas projected record of 16 and 14 in total, 9 and 11 in conference play. All right. First off, that 9 and 11 number should jump out to you because they're putting a second to last in the Big East, but that just shows how much parity there is yes. in the uh, Big East. Everyone's very close. Um, I mean, it's tough to argue with the computer there. I do think your projected record goes up one when you add the win against St. Joe's that we're kind of expecting. Yes. I don't know. I don't have a ton to add to that. It's hard to kind of. If they went nine and eleven, quite frankly, I'd be pretty happy with that. So, and if my, they went, but if they went sixteen and fourteen in total, I, I don't know. So, lame. I hope they do better in non-conference. I'm gonna be a little optimistic here. Okay. Again, I think that you think they go five hundred in Big East play. Yes, I think at at least five hundred. I could even see them going eleven and nine. Okay. Because, again, I think that the teams like Creighton, the teams like Marquette. Are being extremely overrated again. Well, yeah, I mean, when we when like, we travel to their home gyms, maybe it'll be a little tough to scratch out wins there. But now nah, these kids are going to feed off that. Though. I think Dante so. needs that. Yeah, Dante loves. Yeah, that's fair. I'm not worried about and, that. And I think in the end, I could see them. I mean, I would be. I would not be surprised if they finish the season at call it like a eighteen and twelve, nineteen and eleven. Totally. Like around there, I think that's a very fair place to end it. So, you know what? We'll see if they end up performing. I, I think we should really just, if, if, at the end of the season, if they can put it there, it'd be great. If they're a little under that, so be it. Absolutely. Again, yeah, it's good not it. looking at the record, but looking at the quality of play. And who knows? Uh, hey, last year, start, start from the bottom. Now we're now here. We're here. And, true. I mean, maybe you might say we're back at the bottom. But, hey, no reason why we can't get back there. It's coming. Yeah, it's coming. Big things ahead. Big things. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Towel, a Georgetown basketball podcast brought to you by Thompson's Towel. Uh, just before we finish, I'd like to say one more big thank you to our new friend, John Fanta, for taking his time to come on the podcast and share his wisdom. And other than that, 
please rate, subscribe, and reach out to us on our uh, all the socials at Thompson's Towel if there's anything you want to hear. Otherwise, have a good one. Hoya Saxa.